0: welcome to the Beech grove united methodist church sermon podcast we are a church located in suffolk virginia and each week we post our sermons from our sunday morning worship service sermon notes are linked in the podcast notes and you can go and open them now and follow along as you listen our current series is called everyday saints join us and listen along as we explore what it means to be an everyday saint of the faith the characteristics of saints, and those that have influenced our own spiritual growth as saints among the great cloud of witnesses. All of this leading to our celebration of All Saints Sunday on November the 7th. Go and like our Facebook page, subscribe to our YouTube channel, both of which are linked in the podcast notes below, and subscribe to this podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others.
1: Our gospel lesson this morning comes to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. One body with many members. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the word for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you that through your word for us this day, we would learn more about you and more about our role as saints in this world. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I invite you to take out your notes page there. Um, Merry Christmas. Uh, you have a lot of white space, uh, a lot of lines in there. Uh, you know, it's it's not often that I have two sermon notes that that don't have notes in them so close together. I know my last one was only just a number of, a few weeks ago, um, but but yet again we get into those busy seasons of life. And so I invite you uh, to to find a pen. Uh, that is on you or a pencil that is in the pew in front of you, I invite you to to maybe jot down your own notes. If you are joining us online, you also have a notes page there. Friends, I did give you the scripture this morning for you to circle, underline, do with what you will as we move together through this message today and as we hear these words of God. You know in the early, so we've been going along this series now and in each week we've we've lifted up a saint that has been a part of our Wesleyan tradition um, and and you've probably noticed that I haven't sort of gone after the low hanging fruit, right? I haven't gone after John and Charles as it could so easily be done, right? You know we've we've had various, we've had a few different Methodists who we have looked at for each of these different individual characteristics and i'm kind of going to go after john and charles a little bit this week but even more generally i want to go after this understanding in the early methodist movement that really this isn't even a wesleyan a methodist ideal it's just it's something that john and charles latched onto Uh, When they were uh, in their days at Oxford, at King's College, and they were doing this work together in community, and these small groups, these accountability groups, these these covenant groups that they formed, and it played off of this idea from the early church tradition of these, these groups of people that gathered together for accountability, for covenant, and to help each other along in this path of sanctification. And so when when John and Charles and and the early movers in the Methodist movement began to come over to America and began to do their work, they would implement this in their communities, right? They'd come into a community and they'd preach a sermon, one sermon, one hour long sermon. So friends, be thankful for the, you know, 20 minutes that you get here because at least I'm not John, (laughs) They'd come into a community and they'd preach a sermon and they'd lead this large group of people and then they would encourage the people to break up into these smaller groups in which they could be with one another in deeper relationship because Wesley and and those who were a part of that early Methodist movement understood the importance of relationships. Relationships at many different levels, not just At the corporate level, right? It's not just the relationships that we form here in worship. Relationships at the personal level, right? Relationships that we can form in smaller groups. And even relationships we can form as part of a broader society in general. And so Wesley played upon these different thoughts, these different ideas, these different understandings as they built these communities, and then it even became part of the early Methodist model, right? When, when the Church of England pulled all their priests out during the time of the Revolution, and Wesley saw an opportunity that these people continued to need this idea, this sense of a communal faith, he sent, he sent preachers over. Well, he, he kind of circumvented the church and, and you know commissioned a bishop, which, you know, I mean... No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that today. No, he, 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 commissioned, he commissioned a bishop. He commissioned them to go and, and commissioned Francis Asbury. And, and, and they began to ordain pastors and the pastors. But see, there were only a few pastors. So pastors would have to go around on horseback and ride. And then they'd come into the community and they'd preach. And then they'd go and they'd ride and they'd go to another community and they'd preach. But you see, there was that in-between work in which they continued to build relationships in the community. All the while, relationships being the center focal point of these communities and the ways that relationships were formed at the various different levels. Friends, this is what it means to be saints in the church. As we continue to explore these ideals of sainthood that establish and make within us disciples for the kingdom of God, we begin to know and look and understand this, this final characteristic that I'm going to latch onto here today. This final characteristic of what it means to be in relationship. Right, We've already covered, we've already looked at what it means to be in relationship with God. Right, That was that sense of piety that we talked about, that Bob talked about a couple of weeks ago. That is, the, that is the focal point of our relationship with God. The way that we practice our personal piety is the way we grow, the way we enhance, the way we mature our relationship with God. And so the other end of that is the way that we grow, enhance, and mature our relationship with others through God. And so as we have unpacked in this series what it means to be an everyday saint, that is what it means to be a disciple of the kingdom, we come to this last characteristic that that I'm going to to put forth, right? I've only got a certain amount of time here to to get us through this series, so I kind of latched on to four that I thought were really uh, impactful in part. And so relationships become this foundation part of our faith because because they help us to know and to be known. They fill these two basic understandings of human existence. This idea that we are both known and that we know others, right? We are known by others and we know others. Right There is this aspect of human existence that desires to be known, and we've filled that by being known by God. But there's also this aspect in which we are looking for a tangible knowing as we live into our existence. And so not only do we want to be known by God, but we want to be known by others, and therefore we want to know other people. I say this to people who tell me they're introverted all the time. Even the most introverted people in this world still want to know others and be known. Now, they want it on different standards than us extroverts here, right? I just want to know everyone. Y'all introverts, y'all just want to know people, and then you, like, want to go back home and, like, restore your internal battery. But there's still that basic understanding that we want to be known, and we still want to know others. Why? Because it is in those relationships that we are able to live out our faith. There's always at some desire, at some level, in some way of life, to know and to be known. And this is the aspect of sainthood that we latch on to today. Right? And this is where we continue to explore this understanding of the nature of the church. Right? I I introduced us a little bit to it last week as we began to talk about this idea between nature and mission, right? Our mission, the mission of the church, at least the mission in the United Methodist Church, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. A plus on my ordination exams, friends. make disciples of Jesus Christ for the, mission, for the transformation of the world. That is our mission as the church, right? When we go and we are church for other people, that is what we are looking to do. We seek to spread who Jesus Christ is. However, that does not answer the pivotal question of why the church exists, right? And we talked about last week, the church does not exist to prop itself up. But the church exists as a community of faith, the nature of the church is to be community. The nature of the church is to do this work to which God has called us to do. And so within that nature, within the reason why the church exists, is this nature in which we are in relationship. And again, like we see in this manner of the early Methodist movement, we are in relationship in different levels. And we are in relationship in different ways with different people, but ultimately, we are in relationship. We are in relationship with those whom we are closest to, whom we have the greatest level of accountability and vulnerability to in our churches, our small groups, those who are a part of that close-knit circle who help us in our spiritual transformation. We are in relationship, friends, with those who are sitting right here in the sanctuary, those who are joining us online this morning. Friends, this is a relationship that we have. We are in relationship with those who are a part of this community, whether they worship in this service, whether they worship in the 930 service, whether they worship online, whether they are absent this Sunday for any variety of number of reasons, whether they have not been able to be at church for years. Friends, we are in relationship with everybody who is a part of this community. And friends, we are in relationship with everyone who lives in Suffolk. Friends, we are in relationship with everyone who lives in Virginia. We are in relationship with everyone who lives in the U.S. We are in relationship with everyone across this world at some various level. Relationships define who we are, and relationships define our sense of community. And so when we begin to think about why the church exists, the church exists so that we can be in relationship with one another and so that we can know and understand each other and ourselves. And as we unpack it, and as we look, Paul gives us this beautiful, this this just great and wonderful example of what it means to be community and what it means to be in relationship when he begins to talk about the body of Christ. And when he begins to lay forth for us what it means to be the body of Christ, Paul is trying to express to the Corinthian church what it means to be in community with one another. Because... The Corinthian church is not like, if I were looking for like a model ideal church to like lift up in ancient times, I probably would not have gone to the Corinthians. Uh, they, they were a pretty dysfunctional church. But see, the cool thing about the Corinthians being a dysfunctional church is that we can kind of look and hear from Paul what it means to be a little bit more functional. And so, you see, in the Corinthian church, there, there is this understanding. We see it. We, we know this because when we read Corinthians, this is always the theme that Paul comes back to. It doesn't matter whether Paul is talking about communion. It doesn't matter whether Paul is talking about community. It doesn't matter whether Paul is talking about just walking down the street. The Corinthians apparently have a problem with what it means to live in community. And they have this problem of hierarchical living, where certain people feel they are more, uh, they, they have more benefits, they have more privileges than others, even in the middle of the christian community and so paul comes out and he says whoa 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 whoa! that's that's not what's happening here that's not what these communities are meant to be you see these communities they're meant to be the body of christ right you have hands you have feet you have eyes you have ears you have a you have different bones you have different uh limbs you have different parts and they all serve a different purpose right if my hands were legs this would look very awkward right now i can't do a handstand otherwise i'd demonstrate i'm sorry But Paul says, for in the one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but many. And Paul is calling us to this this full sense of community that we all both know and are known. You see, isn't that cool? Because I have to know that I am a hand. And I have to know that someone else is a foot. Right? I have to know that I'm a mouth and that my wife is an ear. I'm just going to let that one sit. In order to live into this understanding of community... We have to both know and be known. And so Paul is saying that we have to, in order to live into this understanding of community, we must be in relationship with one another, right? I mean, if we continue to read along, there in verse 15 it says, If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? Right? In talking about community, Paul has at the same time instilled this understanding of what it means to be in relationship with one another and has established that as we live our lives as Christians, we are to both know others and to be known by others. So what does this mean? What does it mean to know and to be known? So let's start with that understanding of knowing. What does it mean to know others? Well, it means we have to start with this mindset of we have to desire to know others. Right? We have to desire to meet, to see, to exist, to be in community with other people. And this means being open and willing to that sense of community. It leads us to reach out to get to know other people. Again, extrovert, introvert, doesn't matter, right? Because there's always that sense of getting to know other people. Yes, we all do it kind of in our own different way, but there is always this sense of needing and wanting to get to know other people so that we can experience the fullness of community. And it means getting to know people who do not necessarily think, who do not necessarily act, who do not necessarily look like us. I think that many of us can look at the way that our society exists right now, the polarizing nature of our society, and I think one of the things we can attribute it to is this nature of knowing other people. Right? Have we surrounded ourselves too much with people who look, think, and act like us, or are we getting to know people who exist outside of our own cultural bounds? Because the way that we know other people directly feeds into the value that we place on people we do not know. And so, whether we agree or not, there is still this nature in which we are called to get to know people in the same love that God has gotten to know us through. In fact, studies show that being in relationship with different people, people who think, act, look differently than us, will help us in our own understanding of empathy. It helps us in our own expression of values and life for others. And so we look and we see who we are in relationship with. What does it mean to know others? How does that feed what it means to be in relationship? Whether they look different, act different, believe different, cheer for the New York Yankees. I mean, there's grace for all. It is this nature of being in relationship and knowing one another. So that as we begin to know people, we know the ways in which we can extend God's love to them. And that is the basis of our relationships. And then on the other end we have what it means to be known. Right, not only do we know others, so that we can develop this sense of value and basic uh, for the value of basic human life. But we also desire to be known. So that others come into relationship with us. We are able to grow ourselves as much as they grow through us as well. Because relationships are a give and take. This two-headed coin in which we can be vulnerable with others so that they can be vulnerable with us. And if we are not known by others, then how do we expect to grow either? And we're reminded that this happens at different levels, right? I'm not going to be vulnerable with a person I just met. They're probably going to think I'm psycho. I walk up to someone in a Walmart and I start treating them like my therapist. I mean, more power to you, but... We have these different relationships and we have these different understandings of relationships as we go through. And so, yes, there's going to be different levels of vulnerability in that. But there is still this desire to be known, to begin those relationships and to put in our effort on those sides of relationships as well. And so as we build these relationships, we begin to build not just relationships one-on-one, But we begin to build this sense of community. And so these relationships build upon themselves, right? A relationship one-on-one can become a relationship of five, six, seven, eight people who come together, who study, who read, who learn, who pray together. That group of five, six, or seven, about seven, eight, nine, or ten of those come together. And they form a bigger community. And they begin to worship. They begin to praise. They begin to serve. Right Those five, six or seven big communities then become an even larger community. And they begin to find new ways to help those in their community who continue need help. And eventually we get onto a global scale of being able to know and see how we are able to do God's work in the kingdom, even if it's just through the relationships that we have right here in our local church, in our local community. Relationships build on one another. But we cannot build those relationships if we do not start at that very basic understanding of diving into what it means to know others and to be known by others, to explore that very basic human instinct of knowing those around us, right? And so it it really can be a little awkward, right? It, it can be that awkward of, of going to, to, I'll use the coffee shop because that's kind of what I do. And so, you know when I'm at the coffee shop, I'll often just introduce myself to random people who are in the coffee shop. Because we all can, everybody can have fun over coffee, right? I mean, sustenance of life. And getting to know folks in our community. You know, as you're out in the community, who are you introducing yourself to? Who are you seeking to know? Even if they don't know right away that you go to Beach Grove Church, but they know that you are Hi, I'm Andrew. And then how are you seeking for them to know you as well? Right? Are you just entering into a one-time thing where, where they know nothing about you, but you know everything about them? It's holding up these different manners of relationships that allow us, that live into this understanding of community. One, it teaches us who our community is. Right? If I'm only friends or know the people who are in this room, do I actually know what's happening out in the world? But if I know the people who are out there, I know the needs and the desires and the wants of those who need and desire and want out in our community. And so we better know how we are able to help them. And so I know the hands, I know the feet, I know the eyes, I know the ears. I mean, I've got the mouth, but I also know other mouths, so, you know. Right, we know those. Who can talk. We know those who can listen. We know those who can serve. We know those who can prepare. We know those who can walk alongside. And that's the manner in which we live into this sense that we are the body of Christ. And we not only are the body of Christ for others, but we continue to add to the body. We continue to know the body, the extent of the body, so that we can be the body of Christ, not just here at Beach Grove, not just here at Suffolk, but for this entire world. And so who, what relationships is God calling you to? Who is God calling you to be in relationship with? What relationships is God calling you to build up, to be stronger? And how do we take that sense of relationship and community to live into who God calls us to be? Amen.